Today's episode is sponsored by Blinkist. Blinkist is an app or a website where you can tap into some of the key learnings and the best need-to-know information from some of the best and most popular nonfiction books out there. I think everyone has those moments every day where you're sitting and you're waiting in the physio's office or the train to come or the bus to go. It's starting to sound <laughs> like a lot like Dr. Seuss in it, going to the waiting place. But uh, Blingers really does help those times become productive rather than just going on Facebook or Instagram or checking your notifications and friend requests on LinkedIn. You can actually access the best needs to know information from the best books of all time. So I've got it in my schedule and my routine. We recommend that you do it too. And you can test it out all for free with a free seven-day trial and we've arranged a special deal for just the What You Will Learn audience. So if you want to check it out yourself, head to Blinkist.com forward slash What You Will Learn. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com forward slash What You Will Learn for your free seven-day trial. Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. We'll start off with a story about a man, Henry J. Kaiser, who was running a construction company building a a levee along a riverbank. There was this great storm in which the whole construction area was flooded. All their earth-moving machinery was covered in mud and all the work they'd done so far was effectively destroyed. As he walked up to check out the damage, he found his workers standing around pretty glumly looking at their machinery buried in the mud and he said, why are you guys so glum? And they said, well, can't you see what happened? All our machinery is covered in mud. All that work we did has gone to waste. And uh, Big Henry said, what mud? I don't see any mud. I'm looking up at this clear blue sky ahead of me. There's, uh, there's no mud up there, only sunshine. That sunshine is soon going to dry out all of the mud you're looking down at and we can all get back to work. So that's the, the lesson. Big Henry, a positive thinker, he was looking at how you can come over your problems rather than approaching it from the negative side. This book is written by a powerhouse back in the day, Norman Vincent Peale. He's the pastor of the Marble Collegiate Church for 52 years. He was a good mate of Richard Dixon. Donald Trump Richard went to Dixon. the... <laughs> Richard Nixon. Is I that mean. a Freudian slip? It is a Freudian <laughs> slip. Uh, Donald Trump, man, he, he attended church there as a child and married his first wife, Ivana, at this church. And Ronald Reagan awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom of his contributions to theology, the highest civilian honor award in the US. So, interesting guy. Yeah, obviously a uh, successful guy with a lot of high-powered friends. Uh, and it's, I suppose they'd be good friends to have if you're friends with a few US presidents. This book was written to suggest techniques and give you a few examples that demonstrate that you do not need to be defeated by anything, that you can have peace of mind, improved health, this never-ceasing flow of energy. In short, uh, you can achieve joy and satisfaction with the power of positive thinking. It's a never-ending thing. It's a perennial problem that so many people back then... This written, what, 70 like, years ago? Yeah, mid-50s or something? Mid-50s. They had a lot of shit to deal with. There was a lot of people defeated by just your everyday problems that just pops up in everybody's lives. Uh, they go on struggling, perhaps even whining through their days with a full sense of resentment at whatever these bad breaks that life just throws at them. But in a sense, these things that are the bad breaks in life, there's a spirit and method that you can deal with these things. I mean, you can get fully knocked out of the park and destroyed by these things or you can go about it a different way and, and 
the way you think has a very big impact on how you deal with these problems. Yeah, that's that's the problem. He says it's a pity that people should let themselves be defeated by their problems, their cares, their worries, the difficulties of human existence. But he says that that's really unnecessary. And the solution is that we need to learn to cast obstacles from our mind, refuse to become mentally subservient to them, and channel our power through our thoughts in a way that makes us rise above the obstacles that ordinarily might have defeated you in the past. Mm, so... If you think about thoughts, they can really remake you. I think uh, in this area, it smells, a, you get a bit of a whiff of the, the woo-woo kind of stuff Very. or attraction a lot of that vibe. But if you really think about it, there is a real practical point that thoughts actually do make who you are. And William James came up with this in 1800s. He's probably one of the most respected psychologists in all of history. He says, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. As you think, so shall you be. We need to flush out all of our old, tired, worn-out thoughts and instead we need to fill our mind with fresh, new, creative thoughts of faith, love, goodness and by this process, by remaking our thoughts, we can actually remake our life. Marcus Aurelius said, a man's life is what his thoughts make it. Tony Robbins in uh, The Waking the Giant Within, he said, it's our decision, not the conditions that make our life. Man's search for meaning who went through things that none of us will ever, ever have to go to or even could possibly imagine. And he said the same thing. You have full control over your mind. Even if shit gets thrown at you, it's how you um, you can just dodge the shit. <laughs> dodge dodge <laughs> yeah, and shit is what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in order to change our results, we need to change our thoughts. And it's about being intentional in, with the thoughts that you put in your mind. So it's not passively accepting any unsatisfactory circumstances or thoughts that come your way, but intentionally building and creating this picture in your mind of what circumstances should be. He says we need to hold that picture in our mind, develop it firmly in all of its details, believe in it. He says pray about it, work at it, and you can actualize it according to the mental images. He says that our brain sort of likes to fill in the gap. Our brain produces whatever kind of images we're holding in our mind. If we're not actively, consciously, intentionally choosing that image, then we're going to have a pretty shitty outcome. Yeah, absolutely. If you think about it, like everything in the world that's good or anything that you value, it really always started with a thought. There would be a billion-dollar business. At some stage, someone had the thought of coming up with that in amazing architecture. At some stage, someone had that thought and put it down on paper and envisioned it. So from a really practical point, thoughts are the seed that really inspires what your action and then it's the action that gives you results in your life. So if you remove the thought part of the equation, then you're pretty cooked and your outcomes are never going to get to you know, what, you, what you want them to be. So the secret to a better and more successful life is to cast out those old, dead, unhealthy thoughts and substitute them with these vital, dynamic new thoughts and ultimately thinking more positively, less negatively and harnessing that power of positive thinking. He's pretty ruthless, Norman Vincent Peale here. He says, It is appalling to realize the number of pathetic people who are hampered and made miserable by the malady popularly called the inferiority complex. He doesn't hold back in some points. There's another one coming later where he really hangs shit on a bloke. But he says here, it's appalling to see how many pathetic people there are around the world. Uh, He really lets people have it in some instances. I think he's hinting at it is kind of a a choice, Mm. how you hold yourself and the way you look at yourself. Um, And it's really important. So this chapter is all about believing in yourself and having faith in your own abilities. And it comes down to having a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers and if you don't have this, you can't really be successful or happy. 
Yeah, a sense of inferiority or inadequacy interferes with any hope you have of trying to attain something, uh, of, of trying to achieve anything. He says that you need the self-confidence, you need the belief in order to realize any success or any achievement. So, he says, you know, this. so many pathetic people are hampered by this inferiority complex, but it doesn't need to be. We don't need to suffer from these negative thoughts. It's up to us to take the proper steps to overcome them. Every human being in the world's got the same kind of cognitive wiring. You're just a homo sapien, you're a human being. And the difference in results everyone gets does come down to the thought and how they view themselves and their view and the narrative they hold every day is going to actually dictate their actions that they take throughout the world. So looking at yourself as someone who's a pathetic person, who's a bit of a loser, you're going to do the actions that fulfill this narrative you hold of yourself. So the first step to replacing some of those negative inferiority thoughts with some more positive belief thoughts is we need to discover when and why we're having these feelings of no power. With a little bit of analysis and a little bit of introspection, recognize the times when those thoughts pop into your mind, when you think, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I'm never going to achieve something. Recognize when those negative thoughts are creeping into your mind. Yeah, you might be at work in a meeting or something and that's the time when you want to say something but then you catch yourself thinking, oh... You know, mm. no one cares about what I think or I'm, my view is a bit, little bit dumb or anything like that. Just be on the lookout for every time that your thought goes down that path. So, it's a simple two-step process. That was the first step is recognizing when you have these thoughts and the second step is replacing those thoughts of no power with positive thoughts instead. And he's a big fan of affirmations. He says, as you, as you walk down the street, repeat these positive affirmations to yourself, tell yourself positive things. When you're shaving or getting dressed in the morning, when you look in the mirror, tell yourself positive things. After you get into bed, tell yourself some positive things about how the day just gone went so well and how tomorrow is going to be even better. If you're in that important meeting, repeat these positive phrases to yourself to, to pump yourself up a little. He's got a few examples of some affirmations here. Uh, being in the 1950s and a bit of a church man himself, there's a lot of Jesus and uh, Bible things going on in this book, which is always not too bad. It's quite interesting. There's one from here, Philippians 4, chapter 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> How's that related? Strengtheneth. Yeah, well, well, Christ comes and, and strengthens you and, and giving yourself belief that you can do it. Um, some other ones... <laughs> Some other ones could be, uh, you know, today's the best day of my life or I'm strong, I'm confident, I'm capable. Or one that he says is a good one to tell yourself uh, at night and in the morning is, uh, I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I believe I can successfully handle all problems that will arise today. I feel good physically, mentally, emotionally. It is wonderful to be alive. I'm grateful for all that I have had, for all that I now have and for all that I shall have. So if you tell yourself that a couple of times in the morning, you're setting yourself up for a good day. Yeah, over time, you, yeah, you start to believe it and then your self-opinion changes over time, which is a good thing. Now, here's the story about this poor young churchgoer <laughs> who went to... Like, so Norman Vincent Peale, he's the, he's the pastor, right? You go on there for advice and looking for someone to just to support you a little bit and encourage you. And what I guess my say? thought, if you look at... Um, Big Norm's photo on the back of the book. Nice, friendly old man smiling down oh, at you. Oh, mate, I'd go up to him <laughs> and, yeah, you'd want to have a beer yeah, with him. He's one of the nicest blokes in the world. But he says this young lad walked in. I could just tell by looking at him that he was a loser. He seemed like some pathetic figure. He carried himself as if he were the scum of humanity. He was slouched. <laughs> his head was looking down at the ground. He looked so frail and soft. So this bloke, was he was not starting off so well in life. He needed to really 
pull himself together by the sounds of it. It's a bit of negative thinking, I'd say, from a great man, Norman Vincent Peel, if you ask me. But Norm, what he did, he gave him these affirmations and got him to practice them then and there. And as this young, pathetic loser, <laughs> hump of lard or whatever Norm said, as he was saying it, he could visibly see his shoulders pulling back a little and he was lifting his head up and his chest was out a little bit more. And he walked out into the night and Norman Vincent Peel just got this feeling that there's some hope that this kid actually might be able to make something. <laughs> this poor kid might be able to make something good out of his life. Yeah. Oh, fuck it. it is funny. It is funny. But, but the uh, bloke, yeah. yeah. I think he, he said he, he reported back later that things actually turned out all right. Yeah. He said that he was surprised that you know a few simple words like this from the Bible that he told himself over and over could have such a positive impact on his life. So the lack of self-confidence apparently is one of the greatest problems besetting people uh, in all times of human history. Yeah, I'd say most certainly, yeah. It's been backed up by a few studies here uh, of psychology students who were asked what are their most difficult problems and 75% listed lack of confidence as their number one. I think it is something that people suffer at at all ages and and at all points throughout history that lack of self-confidence is really a big one that holds you back. And without intentionally trying to overcome it, it's something that can hamper your future success. Yeah, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, probably uh, billions in today's <laughs> yeah. amount of people going around, just go through their lives on their hands and knees, defeated and afraid. And in most cases, this frustration of lack of power is unnecessary and it's very counterproductive for what they want to do. So one, uh, a 52-year-old man walked in to see Norman Vincent Peale one day and this bloke walked in and said, everything is gone. Everything I've worked for in my entire life has been washed away. I'm through, I'm cooked, I'm done. I, everything's gone. And Norman asked him and probed, everything, mate? Everything. I've nothing left. Everything is gone. There is no hope. I'm far too old to start over again. I've lost it all. So this bloke, right, he let a few specific instances spiral out of control. Yeah, that's true. He allowed external things to totally infect his internal thoughts. It basically warped his full narrative of his whole life. And uh, he needed to reclaim some of his power. So big Norm, he came in, he took out a piece of paper and said, all right, let's try to list down anything you still have left and let's examine this idea that everything is gone. So Norm took out a piece of paper and tried to list these down. He says, is your wife still with you? And the bloke said, yeah, we've been married for 30 years. She would never leave me. So, well, there's one for the list. He said, have you got any children? He said, yes, I've been touched by how wonderful they've been to me through this. They came to me and said, dad, we love you. We stand by you. Okay, so Norm's added three more things to the list. Well, have you got any friends? And he said, yes, I've had a couple of decent decent mates who have offered to lend a hand, however they could. So there's a few more to the list. Uh, how about your integrity? Is that still intact? How about your health? Is there any health issues? What about the country do you live in? Do you still believe that the US is the land of opportunity? What about God? Do you still believe that God is with you? Will he still help you through this? So by the end of this chat, he's ended up with a list of at least 25 things that he's still got. He walked in there thinking he lost everything and his life was over and he walked out with a sense of appreciation for what he still has, a bit of confidence and a bit of belief that he can rebuild. So your self-image of yourself is going to dictate what you're going to do in terms of your life and the outcomes and Big Norm has got three actions for you. Number one, you need to formulate and stamp on your mind a mental picture of yourself succeeding. Hold this picture tenaciously and never permit it to fade. Never think yourself as failing. Never doubt the reality of your mental image that you've put for yourself. Number two, whenever a negative thought concerning your power comes to mind, deliberately voice a positive thought to cancel it out. We want to be rooting out those negatives and replacing them with positives. 
And number three, not like that pathetic young kid who just <laughs> wailed into MVP's office. Do not build up obstacles in your imagination. Depreciate every so-called obstacle. Minimize them. Don't inflate any fearful thoughts. As our man Emerson said, they conquer who believe they can. Do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. Norman Vincent Peale, he had a mate that they used to call the obstacle man. Working in his business, whatever new ideas anybody brought, he would always look for the obstacles. Whenever anyone suggested a a different way of doing things or suggested a, a new path they could try, the obstacle man would say, now, just a minute here, let's think of all of the possible obstacles that might be involved. When a, uh, when a new person came to work for me, he said, why do you always think of the obstacles and never the possibilities? And the obstacle man said, well, to be intelligent, you must be realistic. And it is a fact that there are always obstacles in connection with any project. What do you expect me to do instead? Just ignore them, pretend they don't exist, not think about them? But then, of course, the other man, the, the, the new young fresh bloke said, I've never seen an obstacle that could not be overcome, provided you have enough faith and enough guts and were willing to do the work. <laughs> As you were saying that, man, I've, uh, I realize at work I've been a bit of an obstacle man. Oh, you're the obstacle man? Yeah. But it's, I thought you were going to throw someone else under the this. bus. No, nah, it's a reversal of this. But when it's, it's based on structural engineering, practicality, and some, when the uh, other positive thing goes, like, no, nah, you don't need to design <laughs> it like that. <laughs> Safety's in mind. So it's a bit of a, bit of a reversal so you're there. You're throwing obstacles up. <laughs> but in things that aren't engineering related and structural engineering related, Whenever you come across an obstacle, the first thing you need to do is stand up to it. You don't complain. You don't whine about it. Next thing you do, you need to outright just attack it. Don't crawl up to it being half defeated already and half arsed. Stand up to your obstacle. Do something about it and just don't stop until you find something where you can get started and grab all the strength you can possibly muster up and take down that obstacle. Don't be the obstacle man. Norman Vincent Peale says, you know, how do, how do I get through trouble? Well, first, I try to go around it. If that doesn't work, I try to go over it. If that doesn't work, I try to dig under it. And if I still can't, then I just plow right through it. He says that we need to cultivate what he calls the I don't believe in defeat attitude. Recognize that whatever obstacles stand in your way, there is going to be a way over or under or around or through them. So don't allow yourself to have those negative thoughts about defeat. I think obstacle people out there, they let these little negative, tiny little things clutter up to the average person's mind and just spill out in conversation, right? Like, I'm afraid I'll be late. I don't think I can do that. I'll never get through this project. Oh, I knew it was going to rain today. Uh, This is just what I expected. I know I wouldn't be able to get this right. And these little nagging things, they just creep up and Mm. you notice in other people's thoughts and yourselves. Yeah, he says they start off as just small little things and you just say them as a throwaway statement thinking it doesn't mean anything. But you've got to remember that mighty oaks grow from small acorns. If you start throwing these things around in conversation, eventually a few of them will slip through and actually enter your thoughts. And once they enter your thoughts, if those little acorns um, plant themselves in your mind and they are allowed to grow, they're going to turn into big acorns of negative thoughts. So what we need to be doing is expecting the best of life and then going out and getting it. There's another Bible quote here. If thou canst believe... I think it's canst, as in like it's a... He's saying can. Okay. I don't know why this, the fucking ST is there, but he means can. It yeah. makes it sound a bit more legitimate. <laughs> if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mm. And that's by Mark in chapter 23. The extra ST and the extra THs there make it um, sound really wise. And what he's saying, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. Yeah, I might throw a few STs on the every now and then <laughs> on normal words in my a few emails and see what happens. 
Norman Vincent Peale he said that you know if you expect the worst you're going to get the worst. If you expect the best, you're at least setting yourself off on the right foot. And William James, the great father of psychology, again, he says that our belief at the beginning of a doubtful undertaking is the one thing that can ensure a successful outcome of your venture. Yes, this is well and truly in your circle of influence. And if you learn to believe, it's of primary importance, the basic factor of succeeding in any undertaking that you go on. When you're expecting the best, you're really releasing this magnetic force in your mind which by the law, <laughs> shall I say it? Yeah. Which by the law of attraction tends to bring the best to you. I don't, man, I didn't realize NVP, he, he came up with the, the I law guess, of attraction. Yeah, this is what, 1953 or something like that, that this book was out. That Rhonda Burns lady, she came in and ripped, ripped it off. It, <laughs> ripped it norm. 50 years later. Um, but and the same goes in the in the reverse that if you expect the worst you're effectively releasing this repulsion and that tends to force the best away from you. He's got a story here of a baseball team, the San Antonio Club of the Texas League. And what they did is they brought in all these new all-star players and it was assumed that they were going to come in, just kick everyone's ass and take down the championship. But what happened is they lost 17 of their first 20 games and were in this huge slump and they started accusing each other of being the jinx on the team. Then one day they played the Dallas Club, who were the team on the bottom of the ladder, and in the whole day, only one player got a single hit and that was the pitcher. <laughs> Yeah, if only one bloke is is hitting for a, a whole game, then yeah, you're, you're in strife. Yeah. They're all missing. They had no belief in themselves. The coach knew that they were in trouble. He said that they didn't expect that they could hit the ball anymore. They didn't believe in themselves. And because they didn't expect it, they weren't even getting close. These negative thought process inhibited them. It made their muscles freeze up. They second-guessed themselves. And of course, by the time they started thinking about hitting the ball, the ball was long gone. So what they did after this Dallas game, they brought in this preacher named Schlatter. And Schlatter, he was this famous faith healer in the city. He came into the, the rooms after the game, gave them a bit of, of a rev up. He took one of their bats and he blessed it. He said he rid the bat of any devils and any jinxes and he installed this power of faith, the power of God he put into this bat. The very next game, that dude steps up to the plate, smacked a home run with his first hit. And so it wasn't long until they shipped out a whole crate of bats to Schlatter and Schlatter blessed them all. And uh, they, went on this, <laughs> they went on this phenomenal winning streak and eventually they won the championship. Oh, mate. This Schlatter bat. <laughs> the Schlatter bat. The Schlatter bat. Is it still going around? Uh, I don't know. I think Schlatter's probably long gone. But, you know, regardless of what you think of the power of Schlatter, whether he actually did anything uh, to the bats or not, only one massive thing you can be sure definitely did change. That was their belief and their expectations. Absolutely. I think the Schlatter bat and blessing it and the supernatural powers coming in and putting some thing in the bat to make it magic or something, that's a little bit speculative. It's probably a bit of a, it's a, bit of a placebo. A bit of a placebo, but I think it's pretty obvious that the people who expect the best, they're mm. more likely to get it. If anyone's watched uh, The Last Dance on the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix, which is really cool, but you just saw the power of one man who came into the Bulls early to mid-1980s that were a shitty franchise, a shitty team. And he's just someone who expected them to win championships. And through his expectations and the belief, all of a sudden the rest of the team started having the same belief. And they themselves expected more mm. of themselves and they ended up being the best championship team of all time. And after watching that, it really is through the thoughts of one person who pulled them through. So as we've learned, there's a massive problem out there and that problem is that where too often we're defeated by the simple everyday problems, those little negatives that tend to brew up, the obstacles are in our way, and too many people are going around 
whining or complaining or, or worrying about why things are so bad for them. The obvious solution from Norman Vincent Peale is the power of positive thinking. It's installing a bit of belief in yourself. It's about expecting the best and ultimately rooting out the negative thoughts and harnessing the positive. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode and there's someone that pops to mind that you reckon needs to learn some of these lessons, then please pass it on to them. Either share it with them directly by sending them the link to the episode or share it more broadly on your on a social media, whether that's an Instagram story, Facebook post, Twitter, LinkedIn. Please tag us in so we can see. We love seeing what types of episodes resonate with what types of people and we love hearing what lessons you took from this book and from this episode.